Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Don't you know it, voice man. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Either way, we're getting over that hump together, baby. Happy Wednesday. You're on the block. Let's get right to it, shall we? We've got a lot to discuss with our next guest. Always appreciate when we get to catch up with the athletic director at Syracuse University, John Wildhack, back with us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. John, how are you? I know it's the 17th, but uh, first opportunity to say Happy New Year and uh, your first chance to come on the show this year. Welcome back, sir. Uh, to be back. Happy New Year to you and to uh, all your listeners. And uh, it looks like you're getting over the hump day pretty well, given your enthusiasm and uh, good music selection. There. there you go. See, I-, I knew there were things I liked about you, including <laughs> the open of this show. Uh, we have to ask a very important question to start off with here, John. How are you? I hear you're on the mend from a little uh, <laughs> yeah. went under the knife during the uh, Christmas break. I am. I had uh, I had some knee surgery done uh, on December 28th. Had a uh, bad tear in the quad tendon, and it was uh, kind of an accumulation of wear and tear. And then I finished it off uh, playing basketball. So I'm uh, I'm on the DL list for a while, but I'm I'm get I'm uh, I'm getting better, a little better every single day. Uh, you were st- you stole my thunder there. I was going to say you're going hard at uh, pickup games or what, but that's what happened. Huh? The basketball finally uh, took you over the edge. Yeah, that was that. That was the uh, that was the coup de grace. <laughs> there you go. A true athletic director with an athletic injury. That's fantastic. I love it. So, uh, best wishes to you there. Certainly, as uh, uh, you rehab slowly but surely there. Uh, John Thanks. wanted to start with uh, you know this basketball team. Uh, speaking of basketball, on the men's side and. You know, the best way you can describe them here, and last night was a perfect kind of example of it, this is a blue-collar team that just will grind things out, and that is their identity. That's what they're going to go with. I mean, they scored 90 points the other night against Florida State, so there's certainly exceptions to all rules here, but I think they're kind of settling into that's the kind of team they are. Do you see that, and, and what do you see, if anything, for room for improvement going forward there? Well, I think, I think you're right. I mean, the, the team, they play really, really hard. Um, you know, every game, every night, they, they, they give tremendous effort. Um, if you look at our front court, I mean, our front court is probably the youngest and or the least experienced in the country, right? When you start a redshirt freshman, a true freshman and Pascal's a junior, but he, you know, he didn't play much last year at all because of his injury. He didn't play a lot of his freshman year in Providence and then had to sit out for a year. So, you know, and then you have Marek coming in off the bench as a true freshman. So this team is incredibly, incredibly young. They play really hard. Um, they play with great energy and effort. And, you know, defensively, you know, we've been good 
the vast majority of the year, and, and that you know that keeps you in games. But every every game is going to be a battle. Um, but I you know I applaud the uh, the effort that they show. Last night was an example of this, John, and I, I wonder if I can speak for everyone that's not a television executive out there. Nine o'clock starts. I just I don't know. I don't know about those. I know that they happen. It's television, but you know that's got to be you know a tough go for you on a weeknight. Get people there. It's winter time and all that stuff. So how how do these nine o'clock games come about? It's just one of those things. Everybody's got to take a turn in the ACC, given the television schedules and how these things pan out. Exactly, Brian. It's just part of the scheduling process, and uh, you know every team plays is, is going to play at least one one nine o'clock weeknight home game. Uh, it is. It's it's hard on the fans, and it's you know it's hard on our fans. Uh, you know, not only locally, but also you know if if you live outside a half hour radius, I mean it's you know that's it, you don't get home until late, so. It's not, you know, it's not something that uh, is necessarily, you know, desired by by any of the schools, but it is. It's a fact of life of the uh, of the media contracts that the, that the conference has, and uh, you know, again, it's uh, it's something that every school shares. John, uh, th- through the rest of the year here, Syracuse is good, and that all these games will be on television somewhere. That's the the good news, even with mm-hmm. the late night starts. How much feedback did you get about those games towards the end of the non-conference slate that were only on the ACC Network Extra app? Because to be honest with you, I got a real variety of feedback from people from different parts of the country and, and online chats and Twitter and things of that nature that were experiencing some frustration there. And I know this is a tricky conversation in the sense that not everybody has the same internet access and there's still a lot of things they're working through here, but what kind of feedback did you get on that and how have you addressed it? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we did, uh, we, we got, uh, we got feedback and, uh, and some of it was, you know, people expressing concern that they couldn't get the game or they lost the stream of the game, that type of thing. We had feedback from others that it was, you know, that it was okay and, you know, the stream was good and that they lived out of the region, out of the territory. They were appreciative of being able to access the game. It's, uh, you know, we addressed, you know, we addressed some issues with the conference and with ESPN because ultimately, you know, the, the stream, the stream itself is, you know, is the responsibility of ESPN through their technology center, through BAM Tech, which uh, which uh, Disney has a controlling interest in, and depending on your internet access and the reliability of that internet access, you can experience disruptions in the stream. And obviously, when that happens, you know, nobody's happy. I don't, I don't like. You know, that's that's not good for our fans. I feel for our fans. I, I feel for their frustration. But again, this is a result uh, of the media contract that the, that the conference signed beginning in August of 2019, Brent, when the ACC Linear Network launches, that will lessen the reliance on games that will be only uh, streamed on the digital network, but uh, it will not reduce that entirely. And see, where you're in a spot there, John, is usually an athletic director's like, I don't know, it's a TV thing, go talk to them. Well, you're a TV guy, so people could come up to you and say, no, I know you know how this works, so you've got to call them and fix that. But on the other end, you do have some expertise there, so you can get a direct line into people at wherever it is, the ESPN, or you know, you mentioned some of the, the outlets that carry this stuff and say, hey, what's the deal here? So I guess that's an advantage 
for you in a way, right? You know, it is an advantage, but you know, oftentimes you know, technical issue is not something that can be alleviated or addressed, you know, in a moment's notice. And um, and when when that happens, when, when if that's the case, obviously that's unfortunate. We don't like our fans to be disrupted at all. And um, you know, I, I watch a lot of content. Um, you know, on ACC Network Extra, I watch a lot of content through ESPN3. Um, you know, Spectrum is my internet provider. Um, I've had a reli- you know, reliable service uh, via the, through them, you know, on my iPad and on my iPhone. But, again, I don't, uh, I don't minimize, um, you know, the angst uh, for our fans when they experience a disruption in that service. One thing that we tried to do this year – and get out in front of is try to better educate our fans that the games that were available on ACC Network Extra, how they could access those to at least make it easier for them to try to find to find the game and access the game. John Wildhack's our guest. He's the athletic director at Syracuse University, of course. And John, Sunday is a big day for you on the women's basketball front. You guys want to break a record. You want to pack that dome with as many people as you can. Tell us everything that's happening there in the push to come out and support this women's basketball team on Sunday. Well, we got a we got two great basketball programs, and 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 the women's team, you know, much like the men's team, you know, very very young and inexperienced. Um, but again, they play hard. Um, it's 94 feet. It's up-tempo basketball. So we really identified, you know, the pit game on a Sunday as we did last year with Notre Dame. Is you know, let's let's really kind of make this a community day and, and welcome the entire community to uh, to support our women's uh, our women's team. Uh, the business community um, has stepped up tremendously, and, and we're very very appreciative of of that. Um, our marketing partners have stepped up as well. Individual game ticket spread are ten dollars a piece. Um, youth sports teams, uh, if they come, uh, two dollar tickets uh, for youth sport teams in groups of fifteen or more, are five dollars uh, per ticket. So we've tried to you know make this great value, and we want to create a great energy and great uh, experience in the dome for not only for our program but also for our fans. And one of the things that that also is was we hope something like this, Brent, will encourage young people, whether it's young girls, young boys, if they're not involved in sports, you know, to consider becoming involved in a sport, uh, whether it's basketball or any other sport. Maybe they come to the Dome and they haven't been to the Dome before. And a result of it, they, they take an interest in sport. And there's so many studies out there um, that speak to the benefits, the direct benefits um, that youth sports has on young people as they develop and uh, in the skills and the self-confidence that it provides them. So, you know, it's we want to support our, our, our team. There's no question about that. But we also want to try to engage the community, engage young people in our community to uh, to participate in sports. You brought up that's uh, a younger team and some new faces. There is one player in particular who has been really fun to watch. She scored 44 points in a recent game, which is one of the greatest performances, men or women, in the history of that building. And it just goes to show you, like, the men's team is Merrick Dolzhai. You never know where players are going to come from. You have an Australian import on the women's team who has really been kind of a, a real jolt for Coach Q's squad. Uh, Tiana, I mean, she's a really, really exciting player. And, you know, she's averaging basically a double-double. Um, you know, over 10 assists a game. She's a great ball handler, great passer, uh, makes some passes, and has a court vision, which is, you know, her, her court vision is 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 really, really good, and it's comparable to, to anybody in the college game, whether it be you know, men or women. She's, she is really, really fun to watch. And, 
again for such a young team, you know, they've gelled and, and they play uh, they play really hard. We played extremely well at home. We had a great win against Florida State. It was ranked 11th uh, a week ago on Sunday, and, and hopefully we can put on a great show on on Sunday against Pittsburgh for our fans. So the record uh, for the women is 11,021 set in 2016-17. They want to beat that record, and of course you can hear both those games uh, tomorrow's against Miami and Sunday's right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. John, what are some of the other headlines going on, winter sports right now, that uh, we should know about? Well, I think, you know, we're, I mean, both lacrosse programs are back. You know, we're back from break. The kids started class yesterday. So, you know, you get into a routine and practice sessions for uh, for both lacrosse programs. Track, we had our first meet, indoor meet, uh, this past weekend. We fared extremely, extremely well. So we're excited about a great start for uh, for our track team. Um, you know, women's hockey, you know, yeah, it's it's again a young team, and we've lost a lot of two one three two games, and and they play really really hard. We've just kind of been on the wrong end of the uh, the score sheet a little bit, and then obviously uh, uh, football off season uh, strength and conditioning workouts began yesterday when the kids came back. So there's always a lot going on, and it's uh, you know it's it's a fun time of year, and it's fun to have the uh, all the kids back on campus. Speaking of football, the 2018 schedule made official today. We kind of knew what the non-conference slate looked like and, and know who the ACC opponents are. But now it, it's lined up. And let me just ask you, when you look at that schedule, what are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, I think, you know, I mean, we've got two heavyweights, two, two, you know, two big-time heavyweights in September, right, with Florida State home on the 15th and at, at Clemson on the 29th. Um, you know, it's 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 a challenging schedule. Um, there's no question about that. You expect to play that. We open on the road against Western Michigan, um, but I, in some ways, I, yeah, I kind of like playing, you know, Florida State or Clemson early in the year, a non a conference opponent because it, it gets everybody's attention really, really quick. You know, when your first game is against Florida State. That kind of heightens the sense of, of urgency and a- anticipation, whether it's for the staff, whether it's for the players, or whether it be for uh, you know for our fan base. And I think Brent, I think as the ACC builds their schedule going forward, you're going to see more conference games you know being played in week two and week three, and part of that will be driven by the ACC network. So this is something to uh, to get accustomed to, but I, I think it creates real real excitement. John, that Notre Dame game originally was going to be a trip to South Bend, but they have the Shamrock Series going on. And Take us behind that. How did they propose moving that to Yankee Stadium? And ultimately, here it is at Yankee Stadium, and uh, Syracuse goes back to a place uh, they're certainly familiar with, having won two pinstripe bulls there recently. Yeah, it was um, yeah, Jack Swarbrick, who's the AD at Notre Dame, and I've known Jack for a long time, and, and Jack called me a few months back and said that they were thinking of moving our game to uh, uh, to New York as part of the Shamrock series, as you as you mentioned, Brent. And it's since it's Notre Dame's home game, it's their it's their game to do as they please. So if they want to move it from South Bend, um, they have the unilateral you know right to do that. Um, I think you know the fact that it's, it moves to Yankee Stadium, where obviously we've had success in pinstripe bowls in the past. We got. Our alumni base in New York. Um, I think it's you know there's elements of that I certainly like. I also know there's you know segments of our fan base that were looking forward and wanted to make that uh, that pilgrimage to South Bend. But if you can't if you can't go to South Bend, Yankee Stadium's a pretty good backup. John Wildhack, our guest here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. A couple more for him and uh, John. I hope you don't mind, but we had to go around you. 
in the due diligence uh, department because the chancellor actually brought this up at his State of the Union address, if you will, yesterday. Now, he said eight words about it, but they were eight words that at least took the conversation forward that he hopes to have everything uh, wrapped up in terms of the roof of the Carrier Dome decided by the summertime. I was curious about his wording, though, because he focused in on the roof. Does that mean that due diligence continues on some other improvements at the Carrier Dome? does and you know kind of the first element of it of, of the project is all right what do you, you know what are we going to do with the roof and what you know what kind of a roof are we going to put on it and um you know that you know that that decision then drives other decisions downstream and and obviously you know what what uh, what we do with the roof is is a is a really really big big decision um as part of this process and it's one that uh, you know ultimately we'll do the due diligence and uh, it'll be discussed at, a bo- at the board level with the chancellor. And um, again, he uh, he stated that uh, you know, he'd like to have a decision uh, uh, this summer. So I think that's that's uh, um, it's our job to to try to uh, help that uh, help that occur. Remind me, John, has it been decided, or is this still up in the air as part of due diligence? That no matter what that decision is on the roof, that you do not want to or or at this point won't move the football team won't move the basketball team they won't have their schedules affected by the improvements or is that still to be determined well every every piece of research due diligence that we've done on this brent has been you know it's part of part of the narrative and the dialogue is we cannot disrupt the football season we cannot disrupt the basketball season you know, we can't do like what we did in 1979 and play 11 football games, you know, away from, from the Dome. We can't, you can't do that in this day and age. So we'll see how that continues by the summer. We've, we're, we're approaching it. We have, we have a deadline. We have, we have a time frame here. And one of these days, one of these days, we're going to get the details there. But that was something. I, it was something. John, I appreciated that uh, Kent gave us at least a, a little bit of a road to go down here. Yeah, and that would be weird. To play eleven games away, and I remember they went to you know Ralph Wilson Stadium, then right. known as Rich Stadium, and you know it's just kind of one of those things like yeah, here in twenty eighteen you can't do that. So no, we'll no, yeah, you know, it was my senior year here as an undergrad, and it was a bummer. You know, no home games. John, uh, we'll always appreciate your time. We wish you well in your uh, recovery from knee surgery, and of course you're always welcome on the program. Lots of exciting things to come, but uh, the big focus, of course, is Sunday. Uh, women's basketball trying to break that record, so folks get out there and support them and pack that Carrier Dome for a big-time game there and see an exciting team. And, of course, you can hear it as well here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. John, thank you. We'll catch up again soon. Brent, thanks. Good to be with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is John Wildhack. He's the AD at Syracuse University.